Turn in your Bibles to uh, Proverbs 28, verse 1. Uh, if you have a Bible, please hold it up. I just want to make sure we're ready to go. You guys ready to go with your Bible? Okay, let's follow along today. I know there's lots of distractions for me and you. It's warm, let's just say it. But we focus for just a little while on the Word of God. And uh, let's not become so soft as a nation where we uh, the slightest discomfort and we're dying. We, we can't handle it and we're completely distracted. So I'll do my best to pour myself out up here and you do your, uh, do your best to pour yourself out to listen and engage out there. Amen? I want to read here before we read Proverbs 28 uh, verse 1 an article I pulled off the internet today, off Disciples Today from uh, Roger Lamb. He reprinted it from 01. Uh, but he was there during 9-11 and he says, Marsh and I were in Manhattan the day the world changed. September 11, 2001. In a brief moment, one of the single most evil atrocities in the history of mankind killed over 6,500 people from over 60 countries. It left over, this blew me away, 10,000 children in a moment were left without a parent. And it jolted the USA into a grieving resolve and forged an unprecedented global unity of nations against terrorism. The impact on the U.S. is nothing short of miraculous. The president, if you remember, called the National Day of Prayer. The crime rate for a short time plummeted. Celebrity worship and greed were suddenly irrelevant for the moment. And a hero, quote-unquote, was redefined in the shape of a firefighter and airplane passengers with cell phones. In the Middle East, a truce was called and strange bedfellows lined up in opposition to terrorism as in the CNN images proclaim, a clear prophecy of their own vulnerability. Uh, Roger goes on to talk about how down uh, in uh, Times Square there wasn't a limousine or a taxi to be found. And uh, the streets were empty, and there were candlelight vigils out just everywhere, and uh, prayer groups on the corners in Manhattan. People were scared. Life hesitated, holding its breath. Uh, Marcia and Roger were there for a film festival for the four short films that they had uh, won, uh, they had made, won this award, and they were at this uh, world-renowned uh, uh, New York Independent, International Independent Film Festival, and he said, we almost canceled the show, because they, they were to screen their show on uh, September 11th. They were just going to cancel it, but they decided to go the next day. The theater was packed, and as they showed the uh, one about the cross, and that you, many of us know that scene where Mary comes running across the canyon yelling, he's alive, he's alive. He says that the crowd of 300 in that packed that auditorium could just, you could feel the burden lifted off the people from the hope that Jesus provides. He said, this is what life, death, and everything, is, everything in between is really all about. This is what changes the world for good. And Steve Johnson, who at the time led the New York City Church, uh, spent an entire day at Ground Zero serving and helping out as many thousands of volunteers from around the U.S. and around uh, the East Coast went and did. And when asked what disciples could do to help, he quickly responded this, quote, he said, we need to do what we should have been doing the day before the disaster, seeking and saving the lost. Roger goes on to say, Satan is the supreme terrorist. He causes acts of terror every day. It is scary when it's motivated. Scary to the devil and to all the spiritual realms of evil. We have the power. We have the power to change the world every day with the cross. Amen? Proverbs 28, verse 1. 
And I do want to say thank you to all those that came up, uh, that uh, spoke, that have served uh, in the military. Uh, we, I know we take you for granted. We don't mean to, but we're very thankful for uh, all the... Uh, let's, let's give them a round of applause. We're very thankful um, uh, for all those that serve as first responders, police officers, firefighters, uh, in the medical field, as well as in the military. Uh, I know as a man, you know, I've always wanted to do that. I never have. But in the sense of there's a part of us that like rescuing, helping, danger. Right, guys? But these guys went and stepped forward and did it. And uh, we're very thankful for all that you have given and inspired, uh, as, you do, as many of you serve and have served in such dangerous jobs. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked man flees, though no one pursues. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. The title of the lesson today is Courageous Service. What motivated people on 9-12, 9-13, 9-14 to join the military as they did in droves? What motivated people to go and take time off work to go serve? What motivated people to help and to take charge? They could visibly see destruction. But just because we can't physically see destruction doesn't mean there's, it's still not happening. And I think we've got to learn and be constantly renewed in our own motivation about the spiritual destruction that takes place all around us. The Bible teaches right here that when we're a righteous people, that we have a boldness that other people don't have. It has nothing to do with size or what martial arts training you have. Or if you've been in the military or you can kill people in three ways with just your pinky. It has nothing to do with that. It's an inner strength. It's an inner courage. That even sometimes the strongest men don't hold even a small amount of. And the Bible tells us right here that when we're righteous, that in us is a courage that is like that of a lion. All animals in the jungle stand down to the lion. The lion's powerful. The lion is to be feared. The word courageous means the ability to do something that frightens you. Or strength in the face of pain or grief. How about a church? How courageous of a church are we? How much do we do things that frighten us? How much do we do things in spite of pain and grief? And I'm concerned that as we get older... We're introduced to more pain and grief. Is that right? It just comes with time. It comes with, it comes with surrounding another lap. My fault on that one. It comes with surrounding another lap of life and another lap of life. The longer you live, the more you're disappointed, Solomon talks about. But still, I think we need to make sure that we have the courage uh, that God wants us to have that comes from righteousness. Amen? Did I cause that? I just thought maybe I was preaching so powerfully the speaker just started to... You know, uh, one of the famous... Um, uh, one of the most famous explorers of the uh, 20th century, Sir Ernest Shackleton, and uh, he wanted men to go with him uh, on one of his journeys, and so he put an ad in the English newspaper, and it said, Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, Long months of complete darkness, constant danger, and safe return, doubtful. You know the interesting thing that happened? 
Shackleton said, quote, it seemed as though all the men in Great Britain were determined to accompany us. They, had, they were deluged with people that wanted to go with him. Why? Because there's something in us that God put in us that makes us want to be people of courage, that we stand up for something. Turn on your Bibles to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. God made us to be courageous. If we're not being courageous, then we are muting the very essence of God in us. Daniel chapter 12, are you there? J. Oswald Sanders, a famous Christian writer, said the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, I wasn't in front that time. When you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. And I think it's important that we evaluate where is our fear of God. And our righteousness, our personal righteousness, which is between us and God. Who we live, how we live with what people can see, and how we live when people can't see. And not just what we do, but what goes on up here and what is stirring in here. That personal righteousness connects to boldness. And that personal righteousness, I believe, the foundation comes from our fear of God. Our fear of knowing that God is supreme. That our lives, the Bible says in Isaiah, they're they're crushed readily like a moth. They're so temporary. The scriptures use the word that our life is like a tent. Over and over it uses that concept. That it's just temporary. It's got stakes and ropes and it's canvas versus a solid building. And the Bible says that we need to fear God. Daniel 12, verse 2 and 3 talks to us about judgment. And the Bible teaches that when we die, we go to sleep until judgment. And he says in verse 2, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth. If you have a Bible, if you could read it with me, versus just listening, it will actually impact your heart more. Okay? Okay, here we go again. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. You know, I love this passage because it says we're all going to die and we're all going to awake to judgment. Do you believe that? Do you realize if you don't believe that, it's still going to happen? It really doesn't matter. It's a fact that all of us will die, will fall asleep. And just like when you wake up from your sleep, you don't realize, hey, I just slept eight hours or six hours. It doesn't feel like that actually most of the time. Like a long time went by. That's what's going to happen. And the Bible says we'll awake some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise, the word wise there means those who impart wisdom to others. God's calling us to have courage to impart spiritual wisdom to others. And we've got to be those people that shine like the brightness of the heavens and lead many to righteousness. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. Today I just have one point before we take communion. Have courage to be righteous and to show others the way to righteousness. Have courage to be righteous. 
and show others the way to righteousness. It takes courage to be a righteous person, doesn't it? It takes courage to trust people when you know how you are and how people hurt you. And it takes courage. It takes courage to love. It takes courage to go, I'm going to do what God wants, even though it's not working out for me right now. I still trust that God's going to take care of me. It takes courage to confess your sin on a regular basis. If you don't confess your sin on a regular basis, it backs up like a broken toilet that has stuff in it. You know what I'm talking about? doesn't take long, does it? You open the lid and, oh, come on! But that's what happens to our hearts. If we don't keep cleaning them out with fresh water, spiritual water. It takes courage to be righteous. And it takes courage to say no to sin, to wait for this or that. To, when you pray and God says no, you say, you know what, God? It's okay. This is what I want, but you're in control. You know what's best. It takes courage not to get bitter. It takes courage to say I was wrong. I'm sorry. It takes courage to repent. It takes courage to keep a soft heart a decade after being a Christian, two decades after being a Christian. It takes courage, which is why most people don't become disciples. Because it takes courage. And it takes courage to show others the way to righteousness. First Thessalonians 2, verse 2, Paul's telling the Thessalonican church, he says, We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. You know, why don't we show others the way to righteousness? I think for me, I don't like to be hassled sometimes. I've got my errands. I've got my agenda. I've got my schedule. I've got my things. And sometimes I look through people rather than at people. Have you ever done that? Spiritually. Sometimes I feel like I've given enough and God's happy and that's enough. Sometimes I feel uh, distracted where I just don't think about showing others the way to righteousness. And I know for many of us, we have different things that, uh, that keep us from showing others the way to righteousness. Different oppositions. I think one of the biggest opposition is cowardice. We don't like people not liking us. You know, the scripture says a lot about if you're ashamed of Jesus, then on judgment day, he'll be ashamed to present you. Do you believe that? Not many amends. Okay. Do you believe that passage? That if you're ashamed of Jesus, that on judgment day, he says, before the angels, I'll be ashamed to present you. And I'm not saying I slipped once and twice and three times and so God's not going to present, Jesus won't present me. I'm saying it's an attitude of heart. It's a mindset. When you get something new, you tell everybody about it. You love showing pictures of your kids. You love telling old stories. You love sharing with people about a product. At least I do. If I get a good product, man, I'm like, I'm the perfect marketer. like infomercial guy, you know what I'm saying? In the sense, I get so excited. The word is a maven. I get so excited, I want to tell everybody about these shoes or this whatever. Maybe some of you aren't like that. But the point is, what made people so patriotic, so mobilized, was they saw the destruction. 
and felt like I've got to do something. And I'm afraid as a church that many of us have been lulled by Satan into a glaze where we feel like my life's fine. Got a good church. Go twice a week. I got good friends. Don't need to add any more to my friends. Helped a couple people here and there. And I'll help if anybody else comes along and says, hey, would you save me? But when you think about what people did to show you the way of righteousness and how they laid their life down, we've got to dare to tell people the gospel in spite of strong opposition. I appreciate Jay Holbert. Where's Jay? Where's Jay? Jay's... Jay, what are you doing in the far back, man? It's not a good sign. He's in the playground. But I appreciate Jay, um, one of the most evangelistic guys I know. And he does it visibly where you see him, and then he does it where you hear about it. I'll bring friends to church, and then I'll find out that Jay's had coffee with him twice. Like, I haven't even had coffee with him. How do you do that? Well, he just talked to him and connected with him and built a friendship and felt love and opened his schedule. But I appreciate that courage. You go, he doesn't know the person. That's right. Most people you share your faith with, you don't know. And they become friend. They go from stranger to friend as you dare to tell them the gospel in spite of opposition. What's opposing you today from being courageous? Is it because somebody you helped left the Lord? It's going to happen again and again and again. It's between them and God. Should we then stop telling people? What's stopping you? You say, well, I have too many pains in my life. You will have pains in your life until you face Jesus. And if you're waiting for the perfect weather day, which today's a nice day, but it's not the perfect weather, the breeze, maybe 10 degrees cooler, everything aligns, then we will not be effective the way God wants us to. And we will lack courage. And courage begets more courage. And cowardice creates more cowardice. We've got to have the courage to be righteous and show others the way to righteousness. Appreciate uh, Anthony Sivitanich, who recently got restored about two years ago. Three. Sorry, Anthony. It's off a year. About three years ago. And, um, you know, got an email he sent out yesterday where him and Joe Lee and uh, Fidel uh, went out on a, on a weeknight and stood in front of a place, uh, a retail establishment, and talked to people about Jesus. Some of you say, that's weird. I would never do that. How were you met? You know, every ministry and church I've ever led, I've tried to make a point. I said, how many, don't do it today. How many people were met by a complete stranger at the mailbox, parking lot, Starbucks, you know, hair salon with the thing over your head? Um, wherever, by a stranger, almost to a ministry, two-thirds of every church says, yeah, I was just met by someone that just walked up into my space that didn't know me and took a risk. Are you afraid to look stupid? To be a fool for Christ? Let's dare to tell people the gospel in spite of opposition. We all heard the saying that people are more afraid of public speaking than death. So it is a real feeling. We do feel timid. But we can overcome it anyway. And I appreciate Joe and uh, Fidel and, and Anthony, you know, he sent out an email. Here's the people we talked to. Here was the response. Please pray for them. But what inspired me the most, it wasn't the results. It was the self-initiative. It was the motivation. It was the courage. 
You know, if in your heart you say, I'd never do that, I would ask you question your Christianity then. Because Jesus did it all the time. You see, I have a more suave way of evangelism. I bet to find out if we got involved and did a secret investigation of your suave evangelism, we'd find out it's non-existent. So secret. God doesn't even know about it. And I think rather than feeling bad, we need to get soft hearts. Something ignites in the human heart when you are courageous. And all men that have ever been into battle or go into battle or in the military, the one thing that they all wrestle with is what's going to happen in the heat of the battle? Will I be courageous in front of my men or my colleagues or will I shrink back as a coward? We've got to be people that are courageous. We've been there before. We have to be there again. In fact, the Bible teaches we should be growing in the fruits of the Spirit. We should be growing in the graces. We should be growing and can be growing in courage. Thank you, Anthony, for inspiring us by your story. You know, there's a saying, an illustration I found anonymous. Wanted, give me a hundred men who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I will shake the world. You know, there's more than a hundred people in this church. I care not a straw, whether they be clergymen or laymen. And such alone will overthrow the kingdom of Satan and build up the kingdom of God on earth. I appreciate that courage. It's so true. I love our teen ministry. Grateful to the Deondas. Thanking God for them this morning. Grateful for our teen ministry. We had our teen-led service last week. What were you thinking about at 15? What were you standing up for at 16? 14, 17. What was the content of your spiritual depth and character as a young person? I don't know about you, but that's like when I just started experimenting with sin. And then it accelerated. Was I the only one? Put your hand up if you did the same thing. Okay, teens, look around. So you're lucky. And I did a lot of sin from 13 till almost 20, 19 when I became a Christian at 19, just a month before I turned 20. I did a lot of sin. And I'm so thankful that we have teens of courage. You know, I was talking with Danielle, and I'm really proud of Danielle, and she inspires me with her courage. We were talking about, on the way home last night, she goes, Dad, I feel sad when I think about my friends going to hell. I said, well, tell them. She goes, Dad, you can't just tell them. I was just being, you know, playful. I said, no, but you can persuade. And she says, yeah, but they all say, I'm not religious. As she talks to him, you know, kind of a, a lighthearted laugh. And, and I was telling her, then last week we were talking, and she was saying that all of her friends, or a lot of them like to make fun of her as they're talking about dirty jokes or parties or this or that, and say, oh, sh- she's the religious girl. She's the Christian girl. She's the religious girl. I said, well, Danny, how does that make you feel? Does it, does it make you feel, you know, alienated or rejected? And she says, no, Dad, I, I don't care. It doesn't matter. But I appreciate that courage at 15. And I think as grown-ups that aren't teenagers, we need to have more courage than we presently have. And we can have it. Amen? Second uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. We're going to wind things down right here. Benjamin Franklin said, A man without courage is a knife without an edge. 
far be it from us. Shame on us if we become as a church just a nice group of people that doesn't smoke and tell bad jokes. The world is full of, the U.S. is full of nice little churches with their potlucks. And I love potlucks, let me just say it. But if that's the height of where we go, if that's the thrill of our courage and excitement, it's just sports and a potluck. What do we sign up for? Which Jesus are we following? Paul tells Timothy here in 2 Timothy 1, verse 6, as we get ready to close out. Timothy, he's reminding him of his spiritual lineage. That his grandmother was a Christian. His mother was a Christian. He was a Christian, a younger man, leading a church that Paul led. And he was struggling with courage. And he says, Timothy, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Look at verse 8. You there? So do not be ashamed. What was Timothy being? Ashamed. Just like we can be, like I can be. He says, do not be ashamed. It's a decision to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the, by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And this is the gospel. Uh, and of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. What you've heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. Look at Paul's heart. He says, Timothy, fan into flame the Holy Spirit that's in you. Church, we've got to fan into flame our courage this last part of the year. Some of us, can I just say it? We don't even think about showing people the way to righteousness anymore. Doesn't even cross our radar, emotionally or mentally. We need to pull off the calluses and, and, and embrace suffering and being sensitive to the needs of others once again. Something happens in you and me when we're showing others the way to righteousness. Now, we can't show the others... Show others the way to righteousness if we're not being righteous ourselves. It just drains us of all confidence. But we've got to have the courage to be righteous. And like Daniel talked about in Daniel 12, show others the way to righteousness. The Bible says God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do you believe that spirit's in you? That God's given you a spirit of power? It's not in your personality. It's of God. It's supernatural. That God's given you the ability and the power to love? Because you've got to love people if you're going to suffer for them. You don't want to suffer for somebody and lay your life down and open your schedule and 
carry the burdens of other people if there's not love as the basis? Can't last. And then the self-discipline of, okay, I've got to keep this as a priority in my life amongst all the other priorities that God calls me to do. This has got to stay in the front. It's got to stay in the forefront of my vantage point. Let's be a people that join in with the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Amen? Proverbs 24, we're just going to close here and then we're going to have uh, Perry come up and pray for communion. Proverbs 24, verse 11. You know the French Foreign Legion? Anyone ever heard of them? They're the special forces, the Navy SEALs of France. And they have a long history with incredible rich heritage of the different battles they fought all over the world. And you know what their motto is? You like this? If I falter, push me on. If I stumble, pick me up. And if I retreat, shoot me. But I appreciate the mentality. If I'm in this, if I'm one of these elite soldiers, one thing I'll never do is retreat. And as a church and as disciples, we need to be proud to be disciples and never, ever shrink back and retreat. Proverbs 24, verse 11. We're going to close here. Listen to this passage. And I'd like you to meditate on this verse during communion. Rescue those being led away to death. Wasn't that what was so inspiring on 9-11? was how many people wanted to rescue. Wasn't that what's made that tragic story of all the firefighters that were going in the building as everybody was running from the building? Remember that picture of the chaplain that had served for, I don't know, 20, 30 years? The firefighters, probably in the 60s, late 60s, small man that went in the building to go minister to people. And there there's a picture of them carrying him out dead. This chaplain who had served for years and years. What was so inspiring was these men, these firefighters that gave their lives, that put it all on the line and ran into the building. Entire firehouse wiped out. It was that they were rescuing. He says, rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. Look at Proverbs 24, 12. If you say, but we knew nothing about this. Does not he who weigh the heart perceive it? Does not he who guard your life know it? Will he not repay each person according to what he has done? Let's have the courage to be righteous. Let's have the courage to show others the way to righteousness. And let's not pretend, I, don't, I didn't know what you're talking about. I didn't see anybody. God says, I know your heart. I know what you see. Step up, he says. Be courageous. Rescue people. And he says in inspiring us, I will reward you for the labor of your love. Amen? But right now we're going to have Perry pray for the communion. Uh, good morning. Everyone should have a, uh, a communion cup. If you don't have one, uh, Mr. Eddie has some for those who don't. 